0: Girk. I do love typing. Do not mess in. with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. <laughs> How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. <laughs> I mean, they say you are what you eat. Cheer I love that. So I do a yeah. podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena yeah. Luthor boardroom uh, or ballroom because really? she looks like a boss in this home.
1: Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just
0: Lena being mean.
1: No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yes. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And we are live and wired on the DC TV podcast YouTube channel and the Supergirl Radio Facebook page to discuss, to discuss, the <laughs> Max documentary Superpowered the DC Story. This is a Supergirl podcast and she is a DC Comics character. So we felt like this was appropriate. And, check and, and, we, and check. <laughs> and we both love uh, documentaries. We do. So uh, <laughs> this felt like uh, just right up our alley on this one. So let's uh, just get right into it to discuss Superpower, the DC story, which you can find on Max if you would like to also watch it. The episode description, uh, well, I guess the series description mm-hmm. from Max reads, quote, over three action-packed hours, this docu-series offers a comprehensive inside look at DC's iconic characters, cultural impact, and enduring legacy, unquote. So I guess I shouldn't call it a documentary. It's not really a documentary film it's a docu-series a
0: docu-series
1: so uh i guess uh this that that will lead into one of my questions (laughs) but i want to start with the question uh because i had uh expectations before going into this and i I was curious if you also had expectations when before you hit play on this docu-series on max what did you expect to superpower the dc story to what story did you think that was gonna tell
0: i didn't know i was like hmm i don't know um i was hoping that i would like learn more about the early years of dc because that's kind of like a place that i don't know a ton of uh like the history i know a little bit about superman's history and know a little bit about wonder woman's history all the batman stuff was actually really new to me really um, yeah which i somehow somehow uh and and not to warner brothers quite credit have managed to avoid knowing much about the <laughs> creation of batman <laughs> warner brothers favorite and only character and uh, so that was that was really interesting to me that it, you know it was like kind of co-created by two different um two different creators but one of them really got the short end of the stick. I think it was, um, oh, and now I'm gonna get his name wrong and feel shame. Bill Finger, yes, Bill finger was the uh, was the writer behind it. And well, and he was the artist
1: and he also came up with a lot of the concepts of Batman that we think of today. A lot of the villains, a lot of the world building. I think he might have come up with the Batmobile. Oh my God. Uh, So uh, the Joker, all those things like, like very Batman-y things uh, Bill Finger was uh, responsible for. And it was not uh, something that Bob Kane, the co-creator would admit until after Bill Finger died. Which yeah, is a real was...
0: jerkish thing to do. Yeah, pretty messed up. Pretty messed up. Bob Kane kind of just was like, "Yeah, I did. I did a Batman, and, uh, and all by be... myself. Feels, feels like just me, like, Bob Kane. Like, excuse me. Um, maybe <laughs> I I also did a Batman. And you're like, no, no, no. It's just me, Bob. Uh, uh, so I thought that was really interesting to get sort of a perspective on the the Batman origin story. I I wish they had spent a little bit more time on the Wonder Woman origin story because when I was in college, I took like a over the summer, I took like a, a media studies class and we had to read some book uh, or essay or something about like the creation of Wonder Woman. And man, that story is drama. And I was like, yeah, let's get a little bit more of that in there. And then they kind of skimmed over it. But the you fact- You mean the,
1: that- the William Moulta, uh, Moulton Marsden, Marsden, Moulton, what is his yes. name? William, William Moulton, 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 Moulton Marsden.
0: I, I think that's the or right Marston? order. Uh, but yeah, he had, uh, I believe it, he was married, but he also had a girlfriend, and they all kind of lived together. There is they... a movie about this. that yes, I, watched. I think it's I... called I... Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. Yeah, and I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of X-rated." Oh, I did not really? know this. Going I have, it. I have been wanting to watch that movie. Be forewarned when you watch oh, it, it uh-oh. is not, not it is family not, friendly. It's not okay. family friendly. Okay, it's not
1: work. It is. Very uh very adult. Oh so, uh, so
0: <laughs> he, li- he lived quite an adult life. He really truly uh... really did. <laughs> but uh yeah, the uh, the two women in his life uh did contribute to Wonder Woman. So even though Wonder Woman was created by a man, it was a man who had lots of women around. <laughs> <laughs> One could argue too many. Maybe I don't know. Many, maybe you maybe know. too many. Listen, works for them, God bless. <laughs> But yeah, I remember reading because I didn't like you know this was back in college. I didn't know anything about Wonder Woman. Reading and being, like, and then another one, yeah, <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I I know they did touch on it a little bit. They were like, yeah, the like the the rope tying up thing, like that was just like a thing he had.
1: <laughs> oh well, what's interesting is that they they sure. tried they tried to sort of uh, with the Wonder Woman stuff. They sort of tried to sugarcoat it a little bit, like. Oh, but it was mostly about women's suffrage. It was mostly it was mostly about the iconic symbolism of will of uh, women's suffrage imagery, and I was like, "Was it though? Was it? <laughs> I don't know." After watching that movie, I, I didn't get a lot of women's suff- women's suffrage out of that
0: movie. I do remember from like vaguely from the college like essays that I read that he was very like you know there should be more women in charge of things. Like he was very pro woman, even though you know he had two uh significant others he was like i'm so pro woman i want multiple of them (laughs) (laughs) listen sir trying uh but like i i do think that he in general for a man of his time and also apparently uh you know his inclinations uh he was (laughs) like you know, kind of, you know, into women's rights and things like that. So he layered those things into Wonder Women, Wonder Woman stories. Now, was he always a perfect example of it? I would guess not. Um, <laughs> I didn't see any of those girls' names on that Wonder Woman, did I? So <laughs> there's no co-creator there. In- interesting, interesting, <laughs> sir. He's like, women should, women should rule everything. You're like, do you want to put your wife or your girlfriend's name on this book? Well. No, well, <laughs> maybe not that uh <laughs> but it it was it, it was i thought for me that the the part of this documentary that was most interesting to me was the early stuff like the stuff yeah. from like the creation of superman the creation of batman the creation of wonder woman and then like the radio serials and things like that when we started getting to the current day it started getting like a little weird and, and sweaty and awkward um but the, like the past stuff i thought was pretty interesting uh so i like i went in going like i hope i learn more about the past and i feel like i did but i don't know that i learned a lot about the present <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's what that was my expectation is i wanted to know the history of the comics I wanted it specifically, I guess that was my expe- putting that expectation on the docuseries and not just going for the ride. I wanted to know about the comics and that first episode, which is called, what is that first episode called? I wrote it down. The Hero's Journey. So there, there's three episodes of this docuseries. And the first one really does hit on the creation of DC Comics. It talks about... Uh, The people who actually were, I mean, it even goes back to Major Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson, who basically was the guy who created the company that would eventually become DC Comics. So it goes, it goes all the way. Didn't it not
0: go so well for that poor guy either?
1: Okay, so I did make a note about this. He was forced out and the company was taken over during the time when Superman was about to hit the stands. So that was a very uh, inopportune time for him to be shoved out. Absolutely brutal. (laughs) He probably probably saw that Superman mania the next decade and he was like, what the heck, man? um so i uh, probably just like what a not look he'd be like i can't i can't get, deal with it get that child in the superman shirt away from me I don't want to look get him, at him away.
0: it's like why does he always start crying when he sees somebody a small child in a superman shirt <laughs> <laughs> oh the money uh yeah no that was brutal that was the first that was the first part in the documentary i was like ooh, that's brutal and then bill finger was the second part where yeah. i was like oh come on <laughs>
1: Yeah, funny thing about Bill Finger, they did not mention that uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice was the first, I think, not even just the first movie. I think it was the first time that Bill Finger was given credit for co-creating Batman.
0: That's Um, awesome.
1: uh, So we'll talk about more about the Snyderverse later because I have a lot of (laughs) thoughts about that. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, But yeah, so I was a little disappointed when it sort of... Went in a direction that started to go away from the comics for a large portion portion of it. That was mostly in the third episode, which was titled "A Better Tomorrow." Now, what I thought was nice about the documentary is that it would sometimes tell the stories of some creators, like it would tell the stories of some of the people in the past, and it would tell some of the people in the future. Um, so I, or not the future. You can't tell stories about people in the future,
0: uh, <laughs> unless you are in the Legion of Superheroes, and but- then maybe <laughs> you, I'm using my powers for documentary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but they were telling stories about people in the present, present, and the things that they were working on, and how they were inspired by things in the past. And I thought all of that was great. Um, but I guess my Questions that I was wrestling with, and Morgan, I was wondering if you could help me figure this out. Is I was trying to figure because all documentaries kind of go in with a a, a goal, a purpose, yeah, a story you want to tell, mm-hmm. uh, a perspective on something that you want to take, yeah. Uh, so, what do you
0: think the goal or purpose of this docu series was? I did find myself asking myself, "Who is this for?" <laughs> um, <laughs> Um and I don't know that I came out of it with a clear answer because I feel like if it if the answer was like is this is for DC super fans I feel like a lot of the information is not like that surprising like a lot of the information if you're a really big DC fan you probably already know it like I I don't think that there are any like shocking revelations in here and I I kind of feel like by saying like this is going to be a holistic view of DC entertainment all DC for 85 years we're going to make it three episodes <laughs> you're it's just not possible to pack that much it's like i was i can't remember what episode it was in now but like they were like and then video games and i was like sir sir <laughs> no Mm-mm. No, we, we gotta draw a line somewhere. We're already talking, we're already talking comics, we're already talking 85 years of comics, we're talking about TV shows, we're talking about movies. You got you gotta stop at video games. You gotta, you gotta stop. But they were like, I can't stop, I won't stop. Injustice. And I was like, oh my god. And it's not like the video game stuff wasn't cool, but it's like you've three you know in 3 hours you're trying to encapsulate 85 years of history across like five different mediums it's just like not possible i sort
1: of got the feeling that this was like a wb sizzle reel that it was yes, like a piece that of felt,
0: promotional material I, you know it's interesting i was like i wonder first off i wonder if there are any reviews of this um <laughs> we are the only one surprise there are actually uh, <laughs> I was like oh Rotten Tomatoes is weighed in on this? Crap yeah, um, I'm sure but, it's terrible uh, so I, like, I clicked in on some of them and that was actually some of the critiques that a couple of the and now I'm, of course I don't forget who it was that was writing um, but somebody said the exact same thing which is like it feels like a sizzle reel like a corporate synergy sizzle reel that like I don't know exactly you know who this is is like marketed to, but it feels like it's marketed to WB executives. (laughs) (laughs) Look at all the the amazing things we've done. We've done done so much (laughs) and perhaps we should have more budget.
1: (laughs) So that brings me to a point that I wanted to talk about because if I was going to, after watching this, I I came up with a, a documentary concept idea that I would love to see them pursue. They never will. But if I could tell a story about mm-hmm. DC Comics, what I would be interested in is uh, the, the amount of executives who have made terrible decisions. And ultimately, it was the creative people behind the stories and the movies and the, the characters that made them who they are. <laughs> because in a lot of instances in the documentary, credit to D- WB, they at least talked about the things that were bad. Uh, well some
0: of them some of them I feel like they were willing to <laughs> t- they were willing to admit things were bad in the, in past. the past but I mean now yes. things are rocking rock and roll <laughs> Maybe uh, that was, I, I will say, one of the more awkward moments of this documentary. And I told you this already last week when we actually were able to communicate with each other <laughs> offline. But uh, um, the awkward moments were like hearing them like try to hype up projects that have already flopped at the time I was watching it. Yes. So they were like, and now a new generation starts with Black Adam. And it's like, it's like The Rock is like, I feel like I'm going to be all over this universe. And, like, and you're like, no, you're not. And then there's like Zachary. But it's gonna, Levi. but it's gonna be Shazam too if you're exactly. in the Levi was like, I'm I don't wanna be like, I don't wanna set be over dramatic, but this is the best movie ever <laughs> <laughs> created. And you're like, oh, Zachary. Zachary, <laughs> Zachary. It's not going well for you in the future. Uh, but that was also one of my issues with the documentary, is that like they would have some of these great talking heads from like comic book uh writers and creators and stuff like that and then they would have the people from the tv shows where it was very clearly a press junket and they were very clearly just pulling out a quote that vaguely made sense (laughs) in the context but it wasn't like they were talking to them going like Hey, you know, actor who's in this show, like, looking back at the legacy, how do you feel? It was like, no, this is a press junket from five years ago. And Melissa Benoist is like, Supergirl is super. And you're like, (laughs) cool. (laughs) Cool. I mean, the whole show's over now. I bet she would have some interesting things to say, like, in a recollection <laughs> kind of season situation. Six. But she was like, hope, help, help!" and compassion for all. And, that's, and they were like, and that's all the time we have for Supergirl. Moving on. And you're like, no, no, no wait. Wait. But that was, like, the situation with, like, the, the rock clip and, like, the Zachary Levi clip where, like, clearly from a press junket that they were doing for the movie before it opens. And so you have this awkward moment where you're like, Ooh, uh oh.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of it was file footage. Uh I think probably the only new interviews were like my guess is Jim Lee, Patty Jenkins. Although Patty Jenkins that might have that might have been one of the
0: That That could have been been for 84. Yeah. Yeah, I went back and forth on like, is the Patty Jenkins one new or is that old? There were a couple of them that I did feel like were new. So like, um, I can't pronounce her name. Janelle, I think. Uh, And I cannot remember her last name either. Jeanette Kahn. I think so. Yeah.
1: Or or Joelle Jones.
0: Joelle Jones. Yeah. I felt like hers was new. And also they had that, that B-roll footage of her drawing something. So that made me feel like they weren't just like pulling something out of the archive. But um, Greg Berlanti, maybe I felt like his was maybe new because he was like talking about a couple of different aspects of the DC story. So, That made me feel like, okay, they actually got Berlanti to, like, sit down with them for, you know, maybe a half an hour and talk. But so many of the interviews did feel like they were just sliced from some other promotional thing, which is not necessarily the worst. But then it starts to feel like everybody's just kind of talking about a completely separate thing, and they're just kind of editing it together. Like, the editing was doing a lot of heavy lifting here. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I thought it was interesting because there were some interviews that looked like they were – I don't know, 1990s. It looked like a, like an old clip from Space Ghost Coast to Coast. I don't know if, <laughs> you know if you know what I mean. Like that, you know, if you watch Space Goes Coast, Coast to Coast and you saw an interview on the TV that Space Coast was talking to, that's what it sort of looked like. There were two of them that uh, stuck out to me with Julius Schwartz and Carmine Infantino. And that's all they showed of them. And they are two of the biggest creative people behind DC Comics. And they spent two seconds on those guys and i thought that was so unbelievably strange um and uh they did that i think uh, for for a lot of that where they would just kind of mention people and they would skim on and i know they didn't have yeah. a lot of time but <clears throat> that's where the structure of it i felt like it could have been a little more focused on something i don't i don't the only thing i can think of that they wanted to achieve with this was to pump up wb and dc in a way that made them look good that's the only thing yeah. i can think of
0: and I and I will applaud applaud them for mentioning things where it'd be like you know it in the seventies or something we were at, you know DC was out of step with like the cultural conversation and like Marvel was swooping in with like comics that were dealing with like the the realities of what was happening in the culture and the pol- the politics of the time and DC was still kind of stuck in the past or like things where they were talking about like the ways that DC had kind of fallen down on like diversity or having like different characters from different backgrounds and how they were trying to add that in and like talking about milestone comics, which I had never heard of before, but that was like an imprint that they did focusing on like creators of color uh, and how they have brought that back stuff like that. I like that they were willing to be like, Hey, DC wasn't the best all the time, but then you got to episode three and they were like, well, it's now we're in the current day. And obviously we've made no mistakes currently. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we've only done good things recently um don't no 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 don't look over there no no no. (laughs) recently it's been great and we've never made a mistake and so it kind of felt like weird like they were willing to admit where dc made mistakes in the past or like oh dc should have jumped in because it wasn't them nobody would then is working for them now i can understand that like as a documentarian you know it's going on max which is owned by warner brothers discovery you don't want to have like and like the documentary that's like DC now is in shambles, right? Like, you can <laughs> Isn't that a much
1: more interesting
0: story, it though? It is a much more interesting story. I think story. it is
1: because cause they, they mentioned Harry Donenfeld, who was DC president. And he, they talk about how he started his career publishing racy magazines. That he escaped obscenity charges from the FBI. That he sought a more legitimate in- enterprise to exploit and and took control of DC because of it. Then they talk about the 1969 corporate takeover uh, by Warner Communications and how the takeover was targeted. Uh, the the takeover targeted DC for its licensing licensing potential, but not its comics. Talked about. Yeah. Uh, no, I I've got more. This is so much more interesting to me that mm-hmm. uh uh the uh dc president jack leibovitz or Leibowitz forced out a number of dc comics legends like bill finger who died destitute in 1974 <laughs> they talk about how when warner Communi- communications took over that the family atmosphere of dc surrendered to corporate structure that warner or that warner communications wanted the rights to superman and look down on its creators they talk about uh, paul levitz admits on camera that he would have been a little more careful when it came to the decision to publish the dark knight returns which was obviously a huge hit and everybody talks about it today uh they talked about milestone uh creators and now uh the dc executives told them basically they couldn't sell black comics i think that is such a more interesting and focused yes. story but that's me just too. me
0: all that stuff was so much more interesting to me than like what felt like a sizzle reel towards the end of this documentary where it was like <laughs> we all love aquaman right i'm like what <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. I, I like, I, I, there was one moment and I don't remember if it was in episode two or three, where they were talking about DC moving from New York to Los Angeles. Right. Where they were like, had to, had to fire a lot of people. But anyway, we're so psyched about LA. And I was like, Whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to flip it and reverse it about all those people you
1: fired? The thing that I found <laughs> weird about that is that they, cut it and the voiceover narration was done in such a way that it made it seem like the layoffs came before batman v superman and so batman v superman was the reason that they made all the layoffs that is not even the case the layoffs happened in 2020 four years after bvs was released but they made it seem like those movies were the reason that they had to make those cuts and if 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 i if i know it correctly and somebody let me know if i'm wrong but that was not the case. So some of like the editing like, was really, really DC, sketchy.
0: Now DC just like Marvel is going all in on movies and so they have to move to LA. And sure, we we fired a lot of people, lol. But the movies are going to be fantastic. I was like, "Excuse me. I feel like we're skimming over some stuff right there, right there." But that's kind of how I felt about some of the the stuff in the later part of the movie where they like they're like we can't talk bad about anybody who's, like, currently involved or, like, was working for it. So, like, we got to really skim the surface. We just got to, like, we just got to th- toss a rock and it's got to make it, like, to the middle of the pond, right? Like, you're just, you don't want to go too deep on any of these topics, whereas, like, The first couple episodes were willing to be like, and you know, DC dropped the ball on this, DC dropped the ball on that in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s were kind of a a rough time for DC where like vertigo saved them and then no one, you know, no one gave vertigo its respect. And I thought that was interesting. And then you get to like the part three and they're like, but everything's great now. You're like, Okay.
1: (laughs) well they did mention one thing that didn't go right in that third episode and that was (laughs) the 2017 release of justice league
0: yeah Um, i was surprised i was actually like a live look at my face was like "Uh uh-oh they're going into that because i would have bet you a hundred dollars that they weren't touching that with a 10-foot pole and the way they did it was like yeah maybe just leave it out then Well, there was a there was a bit of news that
1: came out before this documentary or or this docu-series was (laughs) the director of the docu-series wanted to use footage from Zack Snyder's Justice League. But Warner Brothers said no, that that there was only one version of Justice League. So what I thought was super weird, (laughs) uh, I'm just going to tackle this head on. So. Uh, what I thought was weird about the mention of Justice League is that they're they're like, yeah, BBS came out. They don't even mention Man of Steel at all, um, even though they showed a lot of footage from that movie. They did.
0: Yeah, they did show a lot of footage from Man of Steel, but then they were like, movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they, they talk a lot about Wonder Woman. They don't mention uh, Patty Jenkins is like, it was hard to get them to make a Wonder Woman movie. And she never uh, puts it out there that Zack Snyder is pretty much the reason that she was allowed to make a wonder woman movie because he, he and his stunt team created a sequence to show them what the wonder woman movie could look like. And that's what they like, greenlit it off of and there's there's video footage of that I will link it into this video description um starring Samantha Wynn at the stunt woman, as Wonder Woman so I kind of wish that they had mentioned that but of course Zack Snyder doesn't get any positive mentions in this in, in, in it at all um but they they talk about BBS and they talk about Wonder Woman they talk about Justice League and I'm just gonna say Justice League because that's what it is but they never mention and I thought this was so weird because like you and I both know what happened with that but if you're yeah. just a regular Joe Schmoe and you have no idea what happened with this, you're not going to know what the heck they're talking about. They never mentioned why Justice League failed. And why fans rejected it. They don't talk about the reshoots. They don't talk about the horrible treatment of the cast. They no. uh, they don't talk about pushing Zack Snyder out and bringing in Joss Whedon. They make it seem like it was just Zack Snyder's movie when it totally wasn't. Uh, they don't say why Zack Snyder needed to realize his original vision. They talk about the, the Snyder Cut getting released. But they don't talk about why it had to be uh, released. So I don't know how you can mention this without it explaining was... why his original vision never got out in the first place, and then they call it a recut, which it never was. It's how the movie was supposed to come <laughs> out. The Justice League version was a recut. Um, so I just Rebecca thought about this one. <laughs> I could not believe it. They they didn't mention that Zack Snyder's Justice League had a better reception when it came out versus what happened in uh, 2017. They didn't mention
0: any of that. It it was one of those things where I was like, listen, I I. I I get like from a documentarian, if they know it's gonna be on HBO or they know it's gonna be on Max or whatever. It's probably it was probably commissioned by WB at some stage of this documentary. I don't think it was like independent. Uh, I can understand them being like, listen, this whole situation, it's kind of awkward. Like, people are still involved in it, like there's a lot of hurt feelings. Maybe we just maybe we just don't mention it. I feel like that is a more a better tack to take than what they did, which is like to kind of mention it, but not give any context whatsoever. Like I would think that at the very least, if you're trying to give like the most uh, silver linings version of the event. You would at least say, like, the fans clamored for uh oh, Snyder version. Yeah, because they version. think all of the
1: Snyder fans are toxic, horrible people. But They're they, never going to say anything nice about they us. They didn't
0: even say that. Like, that's how I... It's like, a, I wanted to avoid a very complicated, like... Uh, a hurt feeling situation on a lot of sides i'd be like okay maybe if we have to put this in like we can we can massage it so that it sounds like a win for us but they didn't even try that they were just like and also this version anyway moving on moving on black adam have you seen shazam 2 i was
1: like "Mm, i just thought it was so unbelievably disrespectful to the man who made the billion i mean i'm I'm trying to think definitely millions, maybe borderline on billions. If I would have to calculate it made them billions of dollars uh, through box office return through DVD and Blu-ray sales and digital sales, merchandising that Zack Snyder made them a lot of money. There was a WB executive who actually tweeted about that recently that he made them a lot of money and they never even gave him the respect to be like, all right, we'll uh, feature, you know, a Zack Snyder interview where he's talking about, you know, uh, the wonder mytholo- the wonderful mythology of DC Comics because I know those interviews are out there. They didn't even I'm put sh- him in. I'm
0: sure, yeah, I'm sure that they have clips from uh, the press junkets, just like everybody else's weird, uh, disconnected uh clips that they could have that they could have put in. It was very strange. I thought that they would. I honestly going in was like, they're probably just gonna steer away from Zach the Zack Snyder stuff entirely just because it's awkward and you know now they've got James Gunn and they're like probably just going to like go straight to like this new vision but uh they went a different direction which was like to kind of mention it but not quite give any yeah you're right if you didn't know if you weren't a, a big fan and you did not know what was going on with the DC universe at that point in time. That would have, uh, this documentary would have given you no context and you would have been like a little confused, like, Wait, w- w- why did they need to release a director's cut of, of it?
1: Yeah, what, what, what was what, different? Why would, what why different would, they, about why would it? they do
0: that? You're not going to get answers here in this documentary. <laughs>
1: they also don't mention that Zack Snyder cast Gal Gadot and cast Jason Momoa, they sort of skimmed over that stuff. Not that you need to put all that stuff in there, but it's just a, such a disrespect for somebody who did so much to further DC on film and uh, make them a lot of money. I found it was just so strange. Um, so yeah,
0: I thought, I thought it was, it, it was weird. It's like, I feel like you got, you want to go one of two ways. Either you actually discuss what happened and discuss, you know, it as part of DC's history or you don't, or don't mention it. We're <laughs> just skim right over it. I think because the way that they did it was like, I guess we should mention this period of DC history, but I don't know really what to say about it. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings.
1: So. We don't want to, we don't want to talk about the reason that we put, <laughs> we, we made them uh, go to the uh, November, 2017 release date. And we, and we didn't want to push it back because we really wanted that bonus check. That's the reason that we did that. We don't want to mention that. Cause that would make us seem like
0: greedy uh
1: dirtbags. <laughs>
0: Corporate so. profits are really important <laughs> to us here at the so, so And so. that, that's a true story. They wanted I, to, I know I know point I question that like, oh. they wanted that bonus check. That feels right. That feels correct. Yeah. It's, it's weird that they were like, again, the, I think to me that the, the drawback of this documentary is that they were really willing to talk about how DC had messed up, but only in the past. Like once you got to like the 2010s, they were not willing to say anything. And at that point, like just, just, just leave it, just leave it. It's already, you're already squeezing 85 years into three episodes. Maybe just go with like the origins and then just like do a quick clip compilation at the end and be like, we're still going. And then just go (laughs) go out from there. Like, I don't, the third episode, I feel like because it was focusing on modern day, but they, like, there was, I, I don't feel like they were willing to like dig into it in like the nuanced way that they were when it was like something that happened in the nineties or something that happened in the sixties. Like when it came closer to present day, they weren't going to give you like the pluses and minuses of how it's going. It was just all great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, not to, not to belabor the point, but they didn't even mention uh the two 2009 Watchmen film, which is now looked upon very fondly. I think they, and, didn't didn't they 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 sort of like it was like a blip on the radar but they focused more on the Watchmen TV show at the very end of the third episode Oh
0: yeah they did they did But
1: but Watchmen was considered by director Terry Gilliam unfilmable and then Zack Snyder filmed it and and it's actually now looked at 10 years later as or actually 14 years later As a very great film. And they didn't bother to mention that. I think that
0: was like one of the issues. With the documentary though. Is that. By casting a net so wide that they're talking about, you know, the Watchmen TV show and the Watchmen comic, but also like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all these characters and also the films and also the TV shows and video games and like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, there's no way that they could squeeze all that because then they also talked about like the stuff through like from Vertigo. So that's like... um, an image. They an image. About- mm-hmm. Yeah, they talked about the uh, a lot of guys going off and creating image. And they talked about vertigo and, like, the more um... – Adults centered uh, comics that they started putting out in the nineties and things like that. So Sandman and things like that, it, it, that, that v- of documentary about vertigo could be probably like a three part documentary just by itself. Yeah. And they, it got, you know, maybe 10 minutes in this documentary, but it just, it all felt so condensed and squeezed down to the point where it's like, if you know, the wikipedia of like any of these topics like you probably know more than what was in this documentary
1: uh yeah uh there were some things i think they also sort of uh maybe they just didn't have time for it but some of the things that they either mentioned or failed to mention was strange to me so uh like when they were talking about the death of Superman comic book storyline, they didn't mention that that was timed together with the wedding of Lois and Clark on Lois and Clark, the new adventures of
0: Superman yeah, oh, TV what, series. Well, they and they even mentioned that the, the uh, Lois and Clark, the TV show. And they portrayed the creation of
1: the death of Superman comic book storyline as a desperate attempt to get the attention on the comics, which to my knowledge, and I fact checked this with Michael Bailey, who knows more about Superman than anyone I know that was intentionally created in order to tie the comics to the show that was oh. not that was not like a des- desperate attempt to get people to read comic books anymore it was it was a thing to get attention to the comics but it was more so them trying to uh synergize between their different uh, formats so i thought that was weird that they didn't talk about that um
0: I also thought, I mean, we talked about this again off uh, without uh, during the technical difficulties after after show, Um, but I, I don't know why I expected them to mention Smallville at any point and I don't know why I'm angry on its behalf, honestly, (laughs) that show hurt me so much. And yet I was angry on its behalf. I was like, wait, 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 wait a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're skimming. They showed it on like a timeline of like DC stuff. And they would like, they like panned, panned past it. And you saw Tom Welling. And I was like, oh, cool. We're going to talk about. No, we're not. It just panned right on past. And they were like the new era in the Arrowverse. And I was like, what? It's me what that show was on for 10 that show took 10 years of my life you go back and you give it a clip a sad little clip <laughs> and it went on for 10 seasons because warner
1: brothers wanted a 10 season box set like the Friends said that's a whole other thing um but they had two perfect ways to include Smallville if you were going to do it. They talked about 9-11 and the DC Comics response to 9-11, which I thought was actually interesting because I've never read that compil- compilation that they put out. and Oh, neither that, have I. That 9-11 tribute that was an homage to the big All-American comic book. I, that was one thing I learned. I didn't know about that. So they could have talked about the 9-11 uh, stuff because Smallville came on pretty soon after nine right, eleven, Yeah, right
0: after that.
1: And um, they could have talked about how Superman was a, a good, you know, uh, a way to to cope with the changes in our world and how we needed, you know, a, a character who was uh, built on hope and uh, was a heroic figure at that time, that that's what, you know, especially the American people needed. Um, they could have talked about that because that's, I mean, that's, a, that's historical. That's tied yeah. to that historic event. I mean, it came on right after. And then, um, they could have talked about it preceding Arrow. They could have said something like due to the popularity of Justin Hartley's Green Arrow, WB uh, in the CW wanted to further uh, you know Green Arrow's popularity
0: in another show. you know they could have yeah tried it in that way, but they never did. I really I thought it was going to be like the second one. I thought they were going to be like before the Arrowverse there was you know, uh there was Smallville and then that led into the Arrowverse for the you know, same network even. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh but no, they just kind of uh rack panned over uh an image of the season 1 box set from uh Smallville and off we were. That was like the biggest mention of it. And I was like oh okay they don't even i don't think they even mentioned lois and clark at all and the only reason this was weird is because like they did spend quite a bit of time on some tv shows so they talk a lot about the was it the 60s or the 70s version of batman uh 66 Uh, yeah the, the adam west version of batman um and how he's was like a goofier version of batman i mean as a child i took it dead serious i was like this is a great Quality entertainment. Uh, <laughs> this is a great dramatic show. I see. I see no comedy here at all. <laughs> Bam, pow. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I want to be Catwoman. That's very obvious. <laughs> um, but yeah, they talk about that. They talk about the Wonder Woman TV show uh, as they should. As we've seen, it's incredible from the, the pilot that was like three hours that we watched. Um, the pilot has one of the slowest fight sequences ever shot on TV. <laughs> It like, is incredible, uh, yeah, stand right there while I punch you,, uh, <laughs> and like they talk about the George reeves, you know, but and they spent more time on all of those, and it was like as they got to like a more dense a uh, period where there was more d c stuff in terms of films, in terms of t v in terms of video games and and comics and all of that stuff they were like okay we don't have time to like talk about all of this it's not possible so like let's just condense everything down to like a 10 second sound bite and then we'll just move we'll just like we'll just move it along we'll move it along and I was just like I mean just make it a hit like make it about the historical stuff then you seemed so much more interested in that stuff (laughs) it was weird too because Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane was a pretty big phenomenon back in the day wasn't she like
1: would not she at one point when uh the internet was created, like the most downloaded picture on the internet, the picture of her in Superman's cape?
0: I think so. Yeah, I, I remember I remember that being like the that coming out that that was like the most downloaded you had, you had to download
1: it like <laughs> pixel by
0: pixel. Pixel by pixel. Come on, You're, Terry,
1: come you're on. waiting like three hours for that thing, but I guess it was worth <laughs> it worth to some it. people. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a pretty big phenomenon back in that uh time period so it's it's weird what they chose to focus on and what they didn't i mean they talked about super friends um and so it was it was yeah. it was uh it was kind of strange what they 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 were picking and choosing from
0: it was one of those things where it's like i understand that like the the breadth of this documentary doesn't allow for it to talk about everything but yeah there were some there were certainly some choices made like of what they weren't going to even touch and what they were going to actually like talk about um and, and I, I guess you could argue that the the animation uh portion like uh was also very under uh like underexplored in this documentary. I don't think that there was very much about the animated shows at all, except for maybe like Batman the animated series. But there was also a Lois and Clark uh, or a Superman animated series that I don't know that they even mentioned. They didn't
1: touch it. Yeah, Marcy Dalmatian in the chat uh, asks, were there any segments in the film about DC animation? Yeah, it was basically just Batman, the animated series. Nothing about Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. Nothing about the animated cinematic universe with the dc film dc animated films nothing nothing like that so it was basically and and i understand why they talk about batman the animated series it was the first of them it was uh, a big deal it's seen by most people as like the definitive batman kevin conroy is is the definitive batman for a lot of people it also uh uh saw the creation of Harley Quinn in that animated series. So they did talk about that yeah. a bit. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot there to talk about with Batman the animated series. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, that's all they talked. to about.
0: me. It felt a little bit, and I don't know if this is just me being jaded. So you'll have to tell me if you also felt this way, but to me, part of why I feel like they talked so much about Batman, the animated series versus any of the other animation was because they could be like, and that's where Harley Quinn came from and Harley Quinn you know Margot Robbie she's still in these movies she's in a recent one uh, directed by James Gunn who is now <laughs> exactly. helping the new
1: DC Universe that's
0: why I felt like I was like oh that's why we got so much about Batman the animated show which I like I watched as when I was younger and I loved and I was happy that they were like highlighting it and talking to the, some of the, the creatives behind it but, but then we got to like and then they created Harley Quinn and I was like okay that's why we're here
1: <laughs> not only is she played by margot robert but she's voiced by what's her face from the big bang theory in a new Daily kuoko
0: kuoko uh you in can an also find on max, max. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which, listen the the harley quinn animated show is legitimately great and very funny uh not safe for children but very funny for adults but uh so I like, I have no problem with them highlighting it, but it did feel like they highlighted it because they were like, and you can watch it now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will say that was one of my more favorite parts of the documentary, but I also think this was probably like a behind the scenes featurette from like yeah. a Blu-ray. But I really enjoyed seeing her do the voice acting because that is really cool i have such i have such a high respect for voice actors because i've tried to do it and it's hard you've tried to do it i mean we uh, we it's very hard the two of us uh have attempted it uh to varying degrees i guess of success
0: (laughs) Uh, morgan is way better at it than me i i don't think that's true uh (laughs) i had to i had to spend like five minutes trying to find a voice uh (laughs) but i thought that was so cool in the documentary where you hear the director go okay that's great could you do it like a little bit more like this and you see her do another take of it and which she is nailed so it cool so cool She
1: nailed it yeah I thought that was great
0: yeah that was really I forgot that they showed that behind the scenes uh stuff and that was really cool like stuff like that I feel like that's okay that's something I like a you know, haven't seen before. I haven't seen them like do the voice acting and see how what goes into that. But like, yeah, like bringing us in that way. That felt like something that I couldn't just you know, YouTube a press junket and get the same <laughs> clip from.
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I thought some of some of that was good, but you could I I could feel the promotional material in it. That's a, I think I liked the first episode. And maybe parts of the second episode the best, because those those are the two episodes that really dug into the comic book creators and what yeah. the, the world of DC Comics was having to do in order to evolve and change with things. I, I loved when they brought in um, Barbara Friedlander, who is the writer of Secret Hearts. And this may be uh, something that we might need to research because Secret Hearts uh, was a comic book uh title within dc comics as far as i understand it but it's also the title of the fictional tv series that linda danvers is on in the superman family comics so supergirl so supergirl was a uh soap opera actress in the superman family title uh on the show Secret Hearts. So that when that Ooh. when I when I realized that there was an actual comic book title called Secret Hearts, I was like, oh, "Is that the same thing that the TV show is based on?" Um but I loved hearing the stories of the like so DC Comics is mostly known for superhero stuff, but Secret Hearts was like a romance series where it was about, you know, uh, you know, young love and things like that and sensitive characters and then it talked about how there was this famous Uh, image from the Secret Hearts comics, of the drowning woman yes. that, that got stolen in 1962 by this guy who like recreated it and then uh, made a lot of money off of it. So
0: yeah, that I'm glad you brought that up because I had forgotten this part of the documentary um, almost entirely. But like when you started talking, I was like, oh yeah, I loved this part of the documentary because it was fascinating and it was not something that I knew about, which is usually what I go to documentaries for, right? You learn like, something, yes. Tell Tell me something I haven't heard about or tell me about a cult. And, (laughs) or both, Uh, but this one I had, I I didn't realize. So uh, they were talking about the the artists who did secret hearts and they're showing, you know, some of the panels and I go, Oh man, that art style looks incredibly familiar. Why? The reason why is because Andy Warhol would then go on to be inspired by these panels and would create these giant pieces of pop art um, which became iconic, uh, and also made him very famous and very rich. I mean, among other things that Andy Warhol did, of course, um, but these sort of pop art was kind of his thing. Um but obviously, but I thought like pretty messed up that the artist who did it originally didn't see any of that um money. Yeah, the original
1: artist on Secret Hearts was a guy named Tony Abruzzo and the guy who stole it for the pop art, which I think Andy Warhol did some of that, but the guy specifically in this instance oh, was Roy,
0: uh, uh, Lichtenstein? Roy
1: Lichtenstein, yeah.
0: Oh, um, you're right. Andy Warhol did uh, some other paintings in, in the, sort of that style, Yeah. Um, but Andy Lichtenstein uh, or Roy Lichtenstein was the one who basically recreated it. Um, and it's so funny because you know it's it's thought of it's got its own Wikipedia page, Drowning Girl. Oh wow, yeah. And and it's it, the it's should the 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 credit should go to the original artist who did that work. And you know, in in lieu of that, you would think that when uh when it became very famous, um, I don't know, I would I personally would have kicked back some of that money to the original artist, but yeah
1: it's unfortunate they basically talk about it as artistic theft and how it really ruffled the feathers of a lot of artists in the comic book community because they they were like our stuff can get stolen like this is what do we do about this so i thought that was actually a really interesting section of the the docu series um i really enjoyed hearing i think my favorite parts I think I've mentioned this before, but just getting the stories behind the people who did things in the comics specifically, like they talk about Karen Berger, who is the executive editor of Vertigo who brought in those uh, British invasion creators like Grant Morrison and Neil Gaiman. I thought that was really interesting. So um, cool. uh, I really liked the stuff with Jeanette Kahn and how she uh, thought about comics a little differently and how they, they got into the trade paperback and the graphic novel um, uh, game to try to get people to put, you know, comics on a shelf and have them and be I, a
0: little more permanent. I think that those things also made me think, uh, I feel like there's like a whole it was so interesting to me that there were these women in comics, which is not usually a very friendly, not always a very friendly uh, environment for women, especially back in, like, what, the 70s. And she was put in charge of this comic book company. And I was like, oh, man, I bet the stories about that are insane. Like, this could that, be a documentary in and that's itself. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I want that documentary. I want that Vertigo documentary. I want the, you know, the documentary of her like having to get these guys to listen to her um, because I'm sure they did not want to Uh, and I thought that that was so interesting like here is like this you know this big uh, comic book company but they've had a lot of women in really prominent positions at a time at time periods when that was pretty rare but you know they did kind of highlight that but they didn't really go into backstories or I wanted I immediately was like oh tell me more about like this and this and they were like okay moving on
1: yeah, the the Jeanette Kahn and the what was the other lady's name Karen Berger, and then Diane Nelson. They talked about her. She's the one who decided to create DC Entertainment and put all the DC stuff and video games and you know kids' yeah. TV shows and all this kind of stuff and you know the Lego movies and all that kind of stuff and. I think it would be really cool to hear stories about women comic book creators, women executives who made really big changes to the company that were very positive. Diane Nelson, in my opinion, is the only good DC Warner brothers executive who has <laughs> ever been at the company. Cause she actually had like a vision for things that made sense and was actually a positive result, even though she had to make that tough decision to lay off all those people in 2020 but uh, for the most part, I thought she did a pretty good job and had and had an actual uh, idea of what things could be. So I, I I think that's such a more interesting story to tackle because uh, you could you could make that more focused. I just wish this
0: this docu series had had a little more focus to it. Yeah, it felt I, like
1: it was all over the place.
0: I think if it had been longer with its current focus, or more focused with its current length it would have worked but i think trying to trying to go through 85 years of history in comics in uh in tv in movies in video games in animation it's just you know it's not possible to do justice to a lot of these stories and i think that the documentary did a good job um on some things and then did you know completely skimmed over or just missed other things entirely just due to the the runtime. And I wish that they had decided, okay, we're going to focus on, you know, DC entertainment, like the movies and the TV shows, or, Oh, we're going to focus on the comics, which is kind of what I was hoping it would be. Um, And we'll just, we're just going to tell those stories because I do feel like when they were more focused in on some of the stuff, they would tell some interesting stories, but then it would kind of, you know, but then it needed to, you know, also touch on a, a bunch of other things they're talking about you know going all the way back to what like the 30s back like to the current day it's just like not possible to you know get deep into any particular thing and i wish that they had focused it in a little bit more so that we could have like learned a little bit more of those like deep stories that are kind of more in what i come to documentaries for because it's more interesting
1: yeah, it did skip time periods quite frequently, which made it a little jarring. It, it was great the way they did it. I mean, the actual visual of the, you know. Yeah, very things. cool. Like, that was pretty cool, but it did take a lot to sort of reset my brain to, like, focus, okay, now we're in the 40s. Now we're in, yeah. you know, 1990s. I mean, you know, um, I did think that early on when they 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 sort of start the docuseries with the creation of, super, well, the creation of DC Comics with the creation of Superman, and then they go to the creation of Batman. Then they go to the creation of Wonder Woman. And those I thought were really strong because it told the stories of the creators and why they chose what they did and why they made the decisions that they did. But they start they stopped at Wonder Woman. They didn't go into like the creation of the Flash and how he came to be or the <laughs> creation of Aquaman. Why why did they decide to do that? You know they didn't they didn't keep that going with the characters. And I guess it was due to time, but it. It seemed like that would have been way more interesting because I don't know anything about the creation of Aquaman. I don't know anything about why they decided to do that. They uh, and they sort of talked like a wee bit about like swamp thing, um, but uh, they they never they never mentioned like big comic heavyweights like Lynn Wein, who's such a big notable DC Comics uh, creator. I and uh, uh, the co-creator of Supergirl. And uh, Otto Bender, he was a major player back in the day. They talked about how Captain Marvel outsold Superman back in the day. That was because of Otto Bender. Um, (laughs) So there there were things that they they didn't talk about with those early comic book creators that I thought really they could have spent time on. And I think those would have been really interesting stories to tell because the, the idea of where those comics came from, where those ideas came from, is really interesting to me and uh i I felt like they they sort of dipped their toe into that and then backed out. Um, they talked about some of the like the major storylines, like the Green Arrow and Green Lantern Road trip across America,
0: which is kind of a cool thing mm-hmm. but that made me want to read that. I was like, "Listen, I don't usually care for Green Lantern. We all know this, but... <laughs> <laughs> this has been an established, project. but may I mean, he's going on a fun road trip. That could be that could be cool. Yeah, I I mean I like that they did also like they talked about some of the." Uh, the big events. So like they talked about crisis and then they talked about like the new 52, I believe right?
1: flashpoint and the
0: new Fla- flashpoint and the new 52. But yeah, I, I, I would love to know more about like what went into those decisions. Uh, Cause they did touch on it a little bit in the documentary, but I'm sure that there's like a lot more interesting backstory there.
1: Yeah. They, they touched on a little bit about how the fans were confused by the new 52 reboot. And I was like, confused is maybe not the right word for that I think, <laughs> I think fans are mostly upset because that was the the era that they really sexualized uh, starfire and catwoman and they changed basically everybody's story except for batman because you don't mess with batman. don't touch you batman. have to keep <laughs> batman like he is batman is the only thing that works for us do not touch him we know we got batman <laughs> so i don't know it was i don't know if it was necessarily that fans were confused by the new 52 i just think fans didn't like the new 52 but they sort of yeah sort of couched it in a more friendly way that made them Uh, looks somewhat good it was I
0: I did think that was daring thing I did think that was funny because I vaguely remember when like the new 52 stuff was happening and everybody was like oh this (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of what it was and uh and in the documentary they're like some fans loved it and some fans not so much anyway moving on okay interesting i like when they would show um as part of the documentary like old um footage of like (laughs) man on the street interviews from comic book (laughs) songs where the one guy was like i don't know what they're doing killing off superman hopefully he comes back (laughs) I i was like i love that guy i hope he's doing great now
1: there was one guy who seemed really sincere he was like i don't want him to die i really i i really like him i don't want him to die and i like I totally bought that. I know. That guy. I felt like, that. I yeah. felt that.
0: Uh, I see uh, Marcy Dalmatian in the comments said, there was a time in the 90s when the comics industry was having a hard time. Comic shops closed across the country and Marvel filed for bankruptcy in 1996. DC wasn't doing well either. I thought that was a really interesting part of the documentary where they talked about like the almost the creation of comic book stores because yes the way that they used to and this is something I, I I wasn't really aware of or like only a little bit aware of, but basically they used to just sell comic books in like grocery stores and right, like the, newsstands. The, the, yep and not anywhere else really uh and then grocery stores started to be like eh, we don't want to put up these like spinning racks with your <laughs> comics and they're like space. and they it was so funny because they're like what do we do like this is where we sell them if we can't sell them here how do we do it and then they talked about like the creation of the independent comic book store which really kind of saved uh saved comics but then also like the dark side of that which is like this comic book collector's boon that happened in like the 80s 90s where comic books you know the number one of comic book you know superman or whatever spider-man would go for thousands and thousands of dollars and so everybody was trying to just collect collect the uh the comics to be able to sell like resell them not Necessarily for love of the game, they talked to this little kid. God bless this kid. I love this kid so much. He was good. They were like, "What do you get?" And he was like, "I hope it's worth a lot of money." And they're like, "Do you, <laughs> you, you want to read it?" He's like, "Eh." He was. He was like nine. He couldn't have been more, older than eight or nine. That kid was an entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, he's a an,
1: billionaire now. He's a
0: billionaire now. Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, but but so they talked about how like basically. As boons usually go, there's a bust, right? So the the bottom fell out of the comic book collector market. And that really, really, uh, you know, gave them a hard time in the 90s, which I thought was super interesting where they were saying, like, in the 90s, some of the Vertigo titles were kind of saving them because nobody was trying to, like, uh, I'm going to sell my Sandman number five. And, like, no, everybody's like, okay, I'll give you five bucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the people who were collecting, were actually buying those comics we're buying them to read them because they were were interested in in the story not because they were hoping to flip a profit like they were doing with some of the superhero titles and i thought that was fascinating like so stuff like that to me was what was really interesting about this documentary because like i wasn't really reading comic books in the 90s uh so i didn't know about this like time frame and like the comic book boon and like the collector's uh, uh that everybody was just trying to collect them to like, you know, flip a profit, like a beanie baby. But uh, (laughs) look how that went. Uh, (laughs) I have a whole garbage bag of uh, my investment (laughs) as a child somewhere in my mother's house. Um, But yeah, no, I thought that was really interesting. Like that's the kind of stuff that I thought this documentary did really well. Yeah.
1: I really enjoyed the, transformation of the comic book industry anytime it had to grow and change within itself to continue to sell comics i thought was really interesting there was also another point when they talked about superman the movie where they talked about how that was a period of slump for dc comics and so when the superman movie got made that sort of gave them a resurgence I did not know that that was not something I was familiar with in terms of the time period of the Superman movie. So oh. that was that was something I learned. But now I'm also kind of questioning it because they're like, well, when BVS was happening, that's when DC laid off a bunch of people. And I'm like, that's not true
0: though. I mean, honestly, also those layoffs happened in 2020. I feel like that's a pretty important context. Yeah. <laughs> Can't so, imagine what else was happening in 2020 that could have affected like a <laughs> No mention either. of
1: the pandemic whatsoever. Yeah, it's so no um, funny. Should have been you...
0: historically, uh, co- contextually relevant. Yes, because when you mentioned, like, oh, the, the layoffs happened in 2020, I was like, oh, did they? Okay, well, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Feels like that little bit of context would have really helped. Um... Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I thought the comic book uh, ness of the docu series I thought was way more interesting than some of the other stuff. Um, just because i think it did an effort it did it did make an effort to go into it and really dig into some of these creators the only thing i didn't like about the creator aspect of it is they uh, they were kind of misleading about the joelle jones stuff too because they they uh they gave her the lower third writer artist for wonder girl and i was like they're making it seem like she created Wonder Girl. Like Wonder Girl has been around since uh, I can't remember. No, she's just doing she... the 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 newest run, right? I know. Well, I know she's she's doing the Yara Flora version of Wonder Girl, but wonder girl existed since 1965 with donna troy and so they made it sort of seem like she had created this brand new character and i was like yeah but she's kind of a ripoff of this other character that was created in the 1960s (laughs) so uh so i thought that was a little
0: misleading as well so while i felt like they could have given context to some of these characters where they could have been like okay this is a new twist on this character or that new twist but like again i feel like a, a lot of it got uh a lot of it was a victim of the runtime and just trying to shove things in they're probably like we got joelle jones to talk to us <laughs> she is gonna do it she's got she said she's gonna do it she's gonna do a little drawing for us and everything <laughs> we're gonna feel like we're there <laughs> talking <laughs> to an actual person yeah, uh
1: so so when i when i'm like oh well, this is an interesting fact i learned and then i'm like oh but what if it's not true because that other
0: thing they said was not true i was like va- vaguely true but not in a real way uh rachel wants to know which which wonder girl donna or cassie or the new one well the one they were talking about in the documentary was
1: the yara floor which is the most ah, recent the one. one okay um but uh, that's the one she was drawing but i just thought it was a, a weird thing that they made it seem like she had created the concept of wonder girl, which is not true. So uh, that I thought was very misleading.
0: Yeah. Cause I figured out that they meant like the newest version, but then again, like I have a certain amount of comic book knowledge, but like if you're just somebody who's like, ah, What's D sealed (laughs) now? And you decide to watch this documentary. Are you going to come away thinking that she just full full sale created the character? Maybe. They weren't very clear about it, were they, Bunsen? (laughs) 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 Oh, Bunsen, what's up, buddy? He is loving these uh, Supergirl Radio live and live streams. has been loving the live streams lately. He's been living for them. (laughs) He doesn't like to be on camera as much as his brother. He doesn't like to look directly at the camera. He just wants to be present. He just wants to be present. He wants to get some pets. Uh, He wants to bite a wire, perhaps. If that's that's available to him, he will take that for short. Come here, buddy. Why don't you show everybody your <laughs> oh look at how pretty you are say oh i learned so much about dc but not as much as i wanted they didn't talk about the super pets they did they did talk about the super well th- no they hand, did they, did. they
1: didn't mention the super pets
0: oh they didn't that's right when well, they had a movie they could have plugged yeah <laughs> they did <laughs> actually pretty good and we liked it yeah. <laughs> lulu forever all right buddy all okay, right buddy. i'm that gonna was let nice, you down nice that was great time. that was some <laughs> great buns in time I, I like how he just lets me pick him up but he like goes dead in the eyes when he, he just he just does that thing where he just flops and he's like not gonna like move any part of his body he just goes limp he, he's like i'll let this happen but i want you to know i don't like it <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, well, I guess uh, one of the last things I wanted to ask you, Morgan, was that Dan DeDio talked about how his competition, he thought, was not against Marvel Comics. That the competition he was aiming to go against were the film and TV show uh, and the animated adaptations of the characters, because he felt like if they became the voice of those characters the comic books would be lost so i was curious morgan what your thoughts are on the competition between the comic books and the adaptations in different medium yeah me- i thought media.
0: That, i honestly thought that was i thought that was interesting because i thought it was weird um because it seems like the the you know live action stuff the animation stuff can bring in new comic book readers um, because they, they see a Supergirl TV show and they're like, I love Supergirl. I want to let's, let's get into, let's get into her stuff. Let's read her books. I think their, their, their problem in the comics, in my, in my opinion, is that they're not beginner friendly. Like if you watch, the Supergirl TV show, or you watch the Flash movie, and you're like, "Who's that? Who's that chick that got killed a hundred times?" And <laughs> you just, just want to know about it. Um, where do you start? Where do you start with comics? Like it's it's so hard because they, you know the the titles are a little bit complicated and they restart and they're like no, no no don't start here start here but if when you start here you're gonna have to want to you're gonna want to cross reference superman 525 <laughs> what <laughs> and then people just they give up it's too hard and they give up uh so i feel like making maybe making the comics a little bit more beginner friendly for the people who watch a watch a Batman movie and go, I want to, I want to read a Batman story or, you know, see, see Superman and want to jump on board or watch Supergirl and want to see what the stories are based off of. Honestly, get off the wire. That. (laughs) That I think would. would She's think. not talking to me, audio listener. No, no, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but, audio listeners, Bunsen, Bunsen has decided that what is his passion, what he needs to do, uh, in his professional life is to bite my headphone wires. Mm. Uh, it's happening off screen. So the, uh, the, Viewers aren't seeing it either, but it is quite annoying. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's going to ruin these headsets for me, and then it won't be a Windows 11 situation. I'm <laughs> going to buy a whole new set of headsets. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that they can capitalize on the, the new people that they're bringing in from TV and animation. I don't know that I think that those people necessarily have to be, like, that those uh, mediums have to be competition with the comics.
1: I can see what he's talking about that, that the comics should be the main source of what those characters are. Like I, I get that, but I think at the same time, they keep talking about all the ways they, they were growing and changing and they were taking all these bold new directions. And if they want to move with the times, like they said, they wanted to, sometimes that is a, a TV adaptation or a film adaptation, uh whatever it is uh, you know in 2075 uh, <laughs> buddy
0: buddy buddy i beg you where, where do you want to be where do you want where where do you want to be do you want to be over here i'll make a spot for you great now you're over here why don't you sit down here why don't you sit down here i made you a no, no 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 not the wires <laughs> god not the wires please please bonsen does
1: he not want to sit in that little spot behind the computer that he had? i, uh, I like thought he might in? want
0: to i thought he might want to it <laughs> seems like what he wants is like the good good scritches that I'm giving him <laughs> he's like in, he's like in this situation but uh but he also desperately wants to chew through a wire so that's <laughs> that's his that's his cross to bear for tonight and we're just gonna we're gonna hope for the best for him because i need these headsets I need them bunsen please he don't
1: shoot <laughs> yeah i i just i kind of thought it was strange that they would talk about i mean i wrote down a whole bunch of quotes if you will if you will indulge me oh of course they talked about uh the boldness and creativity of dc and how uh paul levitz talks about creativity requires courage and uh let's see Uh, Paul Levitz also talked about The Dark Knight Returns, saying it's a book that defied all the conventions of what we had done previously. Each individual decision uh, there was uh, was pretty courageous. He talked a lot about being courageous in storytelling. Uh, Let's see. Karen Berger wanted to do stories at Vertigo to shake things up and that broke with the status quo and that challenged people's perceptions of what a comic story could be. I mean, they they just went on and on. Uh, Garth Ennis, writer preacher, said comics have to be allowed to do anything to go into whatever territory any writer or artist deems appropriate. Um, uh, Jim Lee said when the characters have been around for eighty some odd years, you can go two ways. One is to be traditional in your approach, or you could chart a different path, which is uh, to really try to revolutionize the universe. So it was uh, it it made me think. Well, if if you want to revolutionize things, if you want to tr- chart these new bold creative courageous uh paths for yourself why couldn't that be in a film why couldn't that be in a tv show um, yeah so i don't i don't see the uh the competition but i understand from his perspective dan didio as an executive of dc comics he probably saw you know the billions of dollars that the dark knight trilogy was
0: oh i think you're muted. I
1: unmuted (laughs) am I back yes you're back I don't hear myself
0: oh no hang on a second more technical difficulties somehow i got (laughs) unplugged i guess it was my rant sorry
1: okay now i'm surprised it was
0: i'm surprised it was you and not me since Uh, he's been aggressively rubbing himself against the computer (laughs) if my if my angle has changed it's because he's moved the computer like three times with his head i just got i just got a
1: little uh like uh talking talking with my hands and i knocked my microphone out
0: always dangerous
1: yeah I, i i tend to talk with my hands Um, But I I just think it's uh, something where if you write good comic book stories, people will watch the films and the TV shows and and read the comics. Uh, So I think that's the thing that I would uh, tell them is to focus on writing good stories. I know that seems really basic and
0: simple, but I feel like that is the answer to a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I I do sympathize that like, yeah, I can imagine it's hard to see like some of the movies making like millions of dollars and the comics don't, you know, are struggling to sell, but it's a different medium. People don't read as much, unfortunately. And I think it's, it's tough. Some people don't take comics seriously and some people would say, "Oh, Oh, I wouldn't read those. Those are for kids. So I feel like, yeah, they do have sort of a little bit of a hill to climb in terms of getting people to start checking out the comics. And obviously storytelling is a really big part of that and telling a great story, you know, word of mouth can really grow and things can really take off. I mean, a lot of these movies that have done really well, you know, were based off of specific comic books. So right now we talked about the, you know, the Watchmen movie, which is obviously one of the probably greatest comics of all time, but you know, even some of the some of the batman movies were based off of like specific runs on comics so maybe marketing that even better like a little the tie-in a little bit better like hey did you like this movie like what go read uh go
1: go read nightfall go read yeah the dark Knight returns go read uh oh my gosh no man's land Uh, No Man's Land is actually great. Everybody should read that. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I mean, they definitely could tie that big in. And I think to a degree they try to do that sometimes, but it's 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 not something that's as good as it could be. But I I
0: thought I was going to say, I thought it was really cool how they talked about the like the dawn of the graphic novel as being like, you know, why should these single issues just kind of disappear uh, let's let's put them all together so people can catch up. And I I think that that was a whoever I can't remember who they said that was like coming up with that idea. I feel like it might have been, um,
1: it might have been one of uh, the executives. It was I, I think it was Jeanette Kahn and who was the chick at Vertigo. Uh, yeah, Bart, the, no. that's what I was
0: thinking. The um, the woman. At, it might have been one of the women. What at was Vertigo. her
1: name? Karen Berger. Yeah, I think it was Karen Berger and Jeanette Kahn because Karen Berger talked about how Jeanette Kahn was a an influence, a, uh, you know, an inspirational figure for her as a as an executive to make big decisions. And I think it was the two of them that sort of helmed that graphic novel trade paperback era, which is how I kind of now that I think about it, like I I did have my friend Mike who gave me a lot of his old comics. He he was a big Teen Titans fan. So Mm -hmm. that's how I know about uh, Wonder Girl and things like that. And my laptop might be going dead. Oh, no. I've I've frozen up. (laughs) If I go away, I will come come back if I need to. Uh, Can you vamp? I can vamp. Don't worry. Let me see if I can come out and come back in. I don't know why that happened.
0: (laughs) We appear to be still having technical difficulties. (laughs) This is fun for all of us.
1: Can you you still hear me, though? I can still
0: hear you, yeah. That's really weird. It's very strange.
1: All right, let me come out and come back in. I think I can leave...
0: <laughs> without and ending not scream yes i think hopefully i think it, since i'm still in it might be okay okay i'm gonna try to leave sure uh yeah no i i thought the the documentary did do a lot of things good um from a supergirl perspective and rebecca i'm sure we'll talk about it when we get back but they did you know they included some footage of melissa benoist now i don't think they interviewed her for this documentary. I felt very much like it was like B-roll from a, uh, like a featurette, like a Supergirl featurette or something like that. But, um, oh, it's so, oh, thank you. Thank you for putting yourself <laughs> on the correct side. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> it feels so, weird. I don't, I can't be over here on that side. <laughs> uh, I was just saying that they, they did, uh, they did include Supergirl, though not much of her in this documentary. They, they did interview, they, they, included an interview with melissa benoist though i suspect it was from one of the supergirl featurettes it, yes i've seen that before and she was
1: obviously in costume so yeah while they were shooting it in production uh so they and they talked about how supergirl was uh you know part of the verse and how it kind of went from arrow to the flash to supergirl um but it didn't really and- talk about her much after that
0: not really. They did. Uh, Melissa Benoist did drop the "Hope, Help, and Compassion for All" motto, which is nice.
1: Yeah, Sterling uh, Gates would be Sterling
0: proud. Gates, uh, good, good. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't talk to Sterling Gates. Oh my so. gosh! Why, why no, would you why would, no. you? why would you? Why would you talk to Sterling no, Gates? Why well, would you do that? Don't talk to comic book writers. We want to hear from. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I also saw another supergirl character pop up although not mentioned and just in passing much like Smallville but Dreamer was in uh was in, in included a lineup, in a
1: yeah like included a pride, in a piece of, like of a art a pride
0: lineup yes. uh, piece of art and I went Dreamer and that's as fast as she was on the screen <laughs> came uh, and oh, went no, not gone. even mentioned by She's name immediately gone but I I <laughs> I did like that they, they you know, they talked about, you know, having LGBTQ characters within the DC universe and they had Greg Berlanti talk about, you know, how he related uh, to the superheroes from that perspective and things like that. And they talked about, I think, like the recent, um, is it Jonathan Kent? John uh, Kent, yeah, John Kent, John Kent, you know, uh, Jonathan Kent is the curmudgeon uh, <laughs> Ah, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. Uh, no, uh, John Kent coming out is like by in the comics and things like that, which is. What I I believe we saw Dreamer in one of his books. Yes. a couple of. Son, I, I, wanted Son say, of maybe? I wanted to say Some... a couple of months ago, but I don't think that's true at all. It, I think that was like it, last year. It was probably a
1: while ago. It's, it feels uh, recent to us.
0: It did. It did. It's it's <laughs> recent in my heart, but not in reality. Uh, so I, I like that they. I like that they tried to to highlight that again. They were doing so much in this documentary. Not a lot of time to really talk about a lot of this stuff. You could do a
1: whole documentary based on just the social aspects of the comics. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I mean, I really enjoyed them talking about the American propaganda during World War II, and they, they talked about how the politics in dc comics have, has been there since the beginning that is true yeah the social uh, justice aspect if you will of that has been there since you know uh, action comics number one that is true and they kept talking about oh we have to do this this is so important it's so important and all i could think was yeah but the stories have to be good <laughs> you can't just do it to do it the stories have to be worth reading and i think sometimes that gets lost in that conversation it reminded me a lot of supergirl season six where it's like we've got to do this socially important episode and then the episode is garbage you
0: know and it's, it's like <laughs> you could it's you like, could do it's it, like, it sure yeah, but it's like the, it's be good. yeah it's like the supergirl gun control episode where everybody watching it is just like what were you try i don't think you might have undermined your own point <laughs> somewhere in there uh but yeah no i agree like representation just for representation's sake is not always the best but representation is super important and i like that they they talked about you know the comic book characters and and also stuff behind the scenes of like you know trying to you know how hard it was for like a person of color to go in there and get a superhero made that looked like them. And I thought that that was really cool and pretty powerful. And they kind of like, this is like, you know, they talk a little bit about black lightning, although not the TV show. Ironically, they, just the comics did they I, I don't remember if they showed any clips i want i want to say
1: there was maybe a clip in there uh but <laughs> in, in, when they, they, they do... were talking
0: about black lightning and then they it's like a blank and it, it's i don't remember it being very substantially like mentioned uh but i thought that that was like really really cool that they like highlighted those stories because it's part of the dc story too is like how hard it was to get you know, how hard it was to get characters like that on the page. Even even Wonder Woman, they were like, you know, they, they weren't sure Wonder Woman was going to sell. Like, who wants to see a lady doing action things?
1: <laughs> and part of it goes back to that idea that the executives have to believe in it. Um, part of the reason Milestone Media didn't succeed the first time is because the executives were like, I'm sorry, we can't sell black comics. It's just yeah, that's, that's what we we can't do it. They could have been like, We're gonna get behind this, we're gonna do a real big promotion, we're gonna reach out to some of these communities who could be interested, we're gonna find the audience where they are and we're gonna sell them to them. And they made no effort and they just gave up.
0: I thought that was like a really interesting point about some sometimes when people say, Well, you know, the audience wasn't there and we had to, you know, we had to stop, which is what the 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 creators of Milestone were saying was like, if you're not getting any support, if you're not getting any marketing, how how are you then going to expect it to succeed? Like you wouldn't expect, you know, another book to go out there with no marketing and no, uh, cr- like, Executive buy in behind it and then do really well. Like, why would you stack all these cards against us and then be surprised when it wasn't going great? And I thought that was really interesting. And, like, yeah, exactly. If they're telling them right to their face, like, oh, we don't think this is going to go well. And, like, sh- shock that it doesn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. that they had to close. I think they closed down within, like, initially the first time, like within four years. And it's like, of course, because, like, the DC executives were telling them straight to their face, like, oh, we don't think it's going to work. That's why Batman is so successful. They're like, we are into we this. Love we Batman. Are promote everything having to what do with it. Do you Batman. believe? We believe Batman. We believe in him. <laughs> we believe in Harley Quinn. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. Even in this documentary, so much Batman. They <laughs> really so so love Batman.
1: And they were like, and ba- uh, Michael Keaton returned as Batman. Uh, like, Michael. Yeah, you Keaton could just mention Batman. there was a you could just mention there was a sequel. Like they mentioned and Michelle Pfeiffers is, is Catwoman. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't even talk about her catwoman. I mean, you just <laughs> mentioned her like it was a big deal. And then you never <laughs> spend any time on it. It's, it's so, so weird. funny.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. They they did mention like the, the 89 Batman, like the Tim Burton Batman. Uh, but I again more something else that i would have loved them to have gone into more because those batman movies were weird Uh, (laughs) i love them and i would love to know more about like what went into they do they do talk to the one guy and i think he was oh michael euslin yeah where he was like i watched the uh the tv show the batman and the batman tv show in the 60s yeah and i was like this is wrong they are making fun of batman i must save batman (laughs) And then he like, but he was like, I bought the rights to Batman. I was like, I'm sorry, sir. He's like, I was 21 years old and I bought. <laughs> <laughs> I might be exaggerating. He was like, I was in my 20s and I bought the rights to Batman. And I was like, and you're a millionaire. He was like, Nope. I had like a stick of gum and a dream. I was like, man, the 80s sound amazing. <laughs> he is one of
1: my favorite uh (laughs) success stories he sees batman 66 and he's like oh yeah i'm so excited about this batman show and then he watches it and he's like oh they're making fun of batman i don't like this and so he spends the rest of his life trying to get (laughs) the rights to batman so he can correct that and maybe batman seriously and they did and he changed it i just think that is so awesome uh so aspirational uh what a story i love his story and he you will see his name in every credit of anything that has to do with batman because he owns the rights
0: that's amazing i I love that for him (laughs) he was like
1: never again will batman be made fun of (laughs) i love his story uh yeah, so I guess Morgan, if we were gonna wrap this up, we've talked about a lot of things, which seems fair. Like the documentary, <laughs> <the> series <laughs> talked about a lot of things. Um, I guess what are your closing thoughts on um uh, what you watched? Uh, did did you think it was uh something you would point to to uh, someone who doesn't know anything about DC Comics?
0: You know, maybe because it's a pretty good, it's a pretty expansive overview on. DC Comics and I came away from it like having a lot of being like I want to know a lot more about this thing I want to know a lot more about that thing I want to know a lot more about this other thing so I feel like as like a gateway into like the history of DC it's pretty good like it's a pretty good 101 it gets a little it gets a little less good towards the end (laughs) (laughs) I will say but as like the like the historical stuff up into like the 2000s it's it's pretty solid, I think, and yeah, it was. It just it it was too much history to cover in too little time, um, but I think that they did a pretty good job of like giving you a good feel for the different places that DC was in, and DC and how the how the company started and like ramped up, and like how important the different characters were. So yeah, I think overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, do I think it's like the definitive DC documentary? No, uh, but I think I thought that given you know given how much they had to cover and the time constraints, they did they did the best they could. they probably could have dug deeper into some of the stories earlier on and then just kind of skipped all the stuff at the end and i would have thought ah, oh, man what a good what a good documentary uh i feel like the last episode was a like when you get towards more current day it just becomes like a like a corporate reel like a <laughs> that you're watching where it's like Sh- they showed
1: all the uh the shareholders
0: yeah exactly shazam <laughs> uh and i was like okay that's awkward uh some of it's definitely not gonna have aged well it, it didn't uh this came out in july i'm watched i watched it in october it didn't age well from that period of time <laughs> and it showed the flash and Shaz- shazam 2 black adam <laughs> a whole yeah. new generation of dc heroes it's like flop 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 uh- <laughs> <laughs> every single one of them it's like, oh, that's brutal. That's hard to watch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that the early stuff in this documentary is, is is very solid and lots of interesting stuff that, like, I probably will look into. I, I'm, like, very fascinated with, like, the Vertigo stuff and how that all came together and, like, the early history and, like, the comic book stuff. I kind of wish it was just a comic book uh, documentary, but, you know, that's me putting my perspective of what I, I wanted, like, more onto the, onto the documentary, the stuff I feel like I was most interested in kind of was the comic book stuff. um, And I feel like that stuff was really well done and interesting and kind of more in depth. And then when they went to some of the other mediums, they were just kind of skimming over the surface.
1: Yeah. I think if you knew nothing about DC comics, this would at least give you some entry point into that history and be able to give you some appreciation for where they came from, where the, where the comics and the stories and the characters came from. Uh, I think it's very, it's very promotional material towards the end, which I didn't care for, but uh, there were some things that I learned about it. I didn't know much about Vertigo. I haven't really read any of the Vertigo stuff. So this, this made me um, really, Uh, interested in the Vertigo stories and why they were so uh, important at the time, especially when it first came out and gave people a new kind of comic book to read. I'm actually interested in checking those out. I also didn't know about John Ridley's series, the other history of the DC universe. I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, They talked about that as a series where he was taking storylines for the past and sort of reframing them uh from a from a socio-political thread oh that uh, does sound interesting uh through the prism of dc superheroes who came from historically
0: disenfranchised groups that sounds more focused is yes (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a documentary with a focus uh, uh,
1: so well and th- these are comic book stories oh they're these, com-
0: oh that's really cool then no this
1: is as far as i understand these are these are comic book it's a uh, graphic novels there's a oh you
0: know you're right i forgot that they mentioned there was a lot in this documentary i'm <laughs> yeah. so sorry uh, i forgot that they did mention that yeah that yeah, sounds really a, cool
1: yeah it's a five-part series i don't know it'd probably be too uh political for me but i think it's a really interesting concept and uh, that was something I didn't know before this documentary. So it actually taught me something to go check out. Maybe I'll read that Green Lantern, Green Arrow, uh, road trip uh, trip title that I've never read. So maybe that'll inspire me to do that. I, I think it it faltered in terms of the structure, I think, and the fact that it had no it had no goal, it had no perspective. It felt like there were parts that were directed by Warner Brothers where where they were telling you not to yep. use these things um and so i didn't feel uh that au- uh, authentic i think for me but uh but i think it's something if you've never learned anything about dc comics h- history i think it gives you at least an an intro to
0: it um i was thinking about oh Yes, go ahead. Sorry, I I thought you were done. Um, I (laughs) no, I'm never done. (laughs) Ah, I have feelings. Uh, I I saw a a, kind of an interesting um, question in the in the chat from Stanley who said, did you think they covered the fan perspective enough? in this documentary
1: it was mostly the perspective of the creators and the executives
0: yeah i would say well it's so funny because at the end of i want to say it's at the end of part two but i could be lying i watched this a week ago and there was a (laughs) lot in there um (laughs) uh but they uh they kind of do like a a cliffhanger where they're like the people who are going to save dc are the fans and then um I don't feel like really they really got into it too much. They were like fans really like it. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I got that from the word fan um, that they really liked it. Yeah, I felt like they they were like gearing up to talk more about the fans and the fandom, and then they just kind of skimmed it like a lot of the other topics.
1: Yeah, they showed a lot of Wonder Woman cosplayers that were. You know, yeah. doing the
0: the cross the really cross cool, arms Really with the, cool cosplays. The yeah, they they were like
1: show all the fans from uh, San Diego Comic Con, and they're like making doing poses and stuff. And they didn't really. They the only thing they talked about regarding fans were the New Fifty Two Flashpoint reboot and how people were kind of iffy about it. That's <laughs> that's really all, all they talked about.
0: Yeah, they they really made it feel like okay, the fans uh, saved it, and then. I was like, "Oh, that's fascinating." How? And they were like, "Fandom." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, you want to be more specific about that how would, how now?" How that would movie? be a, that <laughs> would be a cool documentary too. Is to
1: talk yeah. about fan, like, uh, because fandom has changed. Early on in DC Comics, they were making like fanzines, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and then fans would write into comic books to say, well, I didn't like the last so comic book. Letters, you...
0: pages, yeah. and things. Yeah. yeah,
1: so that would have been how fans would have uh, communicated with them. Julius Schwartz uh, was a guy who would, t- like, have focus groups on his stair- stairs on at, in front of his house where he'd be like, so, eight-year-old girl, what do you think about this Supergirl comic? <laughs> and so that was, that was how he decided storylines. That's and then amazing. You, and then you get into... The era of, you know, say like uh, the Adventures of Superman TV show with George Reeves, that was a big explosion of fans. Where they had Superman merchandise, and he was he was a uh, shilling for Kellogg cereal and <laughs> doing all that kind of stuff. And then you get to Superman the movie, which was an even bigger explosion of fans. And then uh, you get into the internet age where there's message boards and um, Reddit pages and uh, YouTubers and podcasters and like you could make a documentary about that. And that would actually be awesome. Yeah.
0: Just about fans. Uh, I see Marcy Dalmatian in the chat said, there's a couple of document- uh, documentaries about Comic-Con, which include interviews with fans. So yeah, like there's, there's stuff out there, but yeah, I, I was hoping for a little bit more when they teased it, like the fans saved the day. I was like, oh, cool. They're going to get into like, you know, maybe a little bit of background on like, dc fans and and that kind of stuff and it, it uh not not much i would say if you're if you're hoping for the fan perspective in this documentary that's not necessarily are you a fan of warner brothers corporate <laughs> get you're, that gonna perspective. This. you're gonna love it <laughs> <laughs> from a fan perspective a little bit less so i mean they, they do have that that one guy who was like i was really sad when they killed superman so they have like stuff like that <laughs> i was hoping that they would show more uh more footage from like the uh, comic shops in the 90s though that's really all i want is <laughs> that oh those are
1: so good that one guy was like yeah they can kill him i don't really care about superman <laughs>
0: like, that that i was like oh my god all of the all of these guys all these guys and girls <laughs> legends legends these people they, they had
1: just finished a game of D D in the back of the comic book shop and so now they're just being interviewed by a superman no i was just making that up i don't know if they were playing D <laughs> i
0: i do want to give uh a- aaron's perspective is is correct also uh aaron says you uh you can't show the fan perspective because we're not one thing and there is no real way to paint an accurate picture of what the fans
1: are i think it, i think it is you could
0: show supergirl radio yeah exactly I, say, I think we are <laughs> we have a whole ultimate... community <laughs> we feature your comments look at we're doing it we're doing it. You can, the, the documentary could have done it <laughs> i think that's a point that like the fans uh, dc fans are not a monolith but you know they could i feel like they could have taken like a nuanced perspective of sam i mean they kind of did in the documentary but like specific to like the new 52 or like the death of superman where they would have like one guy being like i don't care about superman kill him and they'd be like the other guy going like oh i'm not superman Uh, (laughs) we could have done a little bit more of that
1: i think it would be really interesting to show how fandom has changed for comic books
0: yes i think that's interesting like how fans gathered together and how they communicate like that stuff is so interesting when you think about the pre-internet era of like how fans got together and, and talked about their favorite comics and things like that. I think that that kind of stuff would be really interesting. Not, I wouldn't come to this documentary for that. That's not no, really not for the, in here, not for the fan perspective. Could you imagine if they were trying to do that in this documentary? Also, they're no. like, We got comics, we got TV, we got movies, we got video games, we got animation, we got all the fans, every fan, <laughs> and video. Three games. hours, Did you mentioned three video- hours. <laughs> I mentioned video games. I'll never forget. They're like, and then in the video games, I was like, video games too? <laughs> You're biting off a lot that I don't think you can chew in this documentary. <laughs> Yeah, this one was a lot.
1: I would uh, recommend I last week I was trying to think of different if, if there were other DC Comics documentaries and then uh over the weeks since we had a week to gather <laughs> ourselves. Um uh the, there are four that I would recommend that if you've never watched uh The Amazing Story of Superman. That's the one that I think came out before or in connection with Superman Returns, uh, it's uh, it's a, a kind of a, com- uh, a complete up into that time story of Superman. Uh, there's also uh, a documentary about Batman, the animated series called The Story of Batman: The Animated Series. Then there's also uh, behind the scenes of the Dark Knight trilogy, and then one that's just about DC Comics called Secret Origin. The story of DC Comics, which I believe I saw mentioned oh, nice. in the chat yeah. by Aaron uh, saying I saw another documentary. It's called Secret Origin: The Story of DC Comics. Yeah, so uh, I think there are other ones to look up if you want
0: a, a, maybe a more focused history. There's uh-oh, also is that is that, is that
1: is that Beaker? Beaker? Is that he's
0: definitely going to jump to the top of the China cabinet. That's oh no, what he's about to do. Beaker buddy, do you want to maybe <laughs> do you want to maybe come over and see see your audience? Look at the look at them. Oh, hey, look hey, bigger at... No, he can't, he can't hear me, buddy. He Can hear me. Oh, buddy. Oh, oh, he's he's gonna do it. Oh my gosh, he's catting. He is catting <laughs> right now, buddy. Hey, what if you didn't do that and you did something different? <laughs> Anything different at all, buddy? <laughs> he's not sure if that's what has he, wants he tried to do it before? Has he attempted he, it? I mean, he has gotten has up. He, has he broken things? He had, I'm just worried about the glass vases up there. Do you need to? no, He's done it. He, he has done it. He is what? up there up on the top of the China cabinet. He I'm so shocked the, he that he did that without Land. busting anything. He, he's actually usually pretty good at not knocking wow. things over unless he wants to. Wow. Uh, the question I always have to ask is, does he want to? <laughs> Buddy? Hey, bud, what if we got down? Wow. Beaker. Beaker. You cannot jump from there to there. It's not, it's not possible. That's amazing. Audio listeners, you really need to go watch the <laughs> video. He is, uh, um, my cat towards- Beaker is now on the top of my china cabinet. Uh, there are some vases on top of there too. He has not knocked them down yet. So, so far so good. Wow. I don't know what he's thinking though. He's looking all around in a way that makes me suspicious and scared. Okay. Uh, I don't know what he wants to do.
1: He's uh he's got to be uh uh, t- uh, uh in the high level, so he can see his, his kingdom. Uh, yeah,
0: everything everything the light touches is his kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's correct. That's also. He's. I guess he's just gonna chill out back there. So uh, video listeners, you can enjoy that. Audio listeners. You should you should be watching. Apparently, <laughs> you really should. That was incredible. I, yeah, I am was, so. It impressed. was quite quite an elegant jump.
1: It's so the, so full of... of tension.
0: I was he, I was on the edge of my seat. He thought about sleep. it a little bit. He got up on his back paws. He went down again, back up. <laughs> he really calculated. There was a ramp right. up to that. Yeah. He was doing. He was doing. He was beautiful, minding in his <laughs> <laughs> doing the calculation. He was, he did the math perfectly. <laughs> he um, did. Uh, I, I mean, want to. Oh, oh, sorry. I wanted to point out, uh, I believe it was Marcy Dalmatian who also said uh, comic book superheroes unmasked is another documentary about the history of comic characters. And um, uh, it says Neil Adams and Stan Lee were in it uh and then also look up in the sky and you will believe both documentaries feature interviews with the cast and crew of the Superman movies one topic they talked about was the creative dis- decisions good and bad so
1: yeah there are some good uh additional dc uh related documentaries out there uh stanley asks uh any good supergirl documentaries or historical books uh That is a good question. Um, The Flash movie has a short documentary about Supergirl that features Sasha Kajay, Laura Vandervoort, Helen Slater, Melissa Benoist uh, in there. So that's kind of a Supergirl documentary. Also features uh, Sterling Gates in there
0: um, talking
1: about Supergirl, but not not even in full length uh, documentaries about her history. I would recommend, and I would like for us to talk about it on the podcast, because Morgan, I'd be curious about your thoughts on it, because um, I think he is such an interesting guy. Um, I have a schedule to talk about the book, Otto Bender, The Life and Work of a Comic Book and Science Fiction Visionary. Ooh. He is one of, Otto Bender's one of the co-creators of Supergirl. And so it doesn't, it's not a book about Supergirl. But it's a, it's a book about one of the co-creators of Supergirl. So it really informs uh, his interest in uh, his, it informs his, why he would be interested in creating a character like Supergirl. Um, it's a very good read. and There's also an audio book version. Uh, so it makes it easy to uh, check out. But nothing specific about Supergirl's history. And Morgan, at some point in my life, I want to wrangle you in and trying mm-hmm. to write a book.
0: Oh my god. About supergirls. Because <laughs> I I think
1: I could bring a lot of the historical facts. Yeah. But you're a better writer than me. So I figure maybe I we know. could, maybe we could team, maybe we could team up and write we like could.
0: the definitive Supergirl history. Oh my gosh, that'd be I amazing! Mean, who better to do it than who us? who better? <laughs> <laughs> we got some, we got some projects going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I would like uh, to do that. I I hope that Supergirl Radio at some time in the future is. Uh, the, the one and only historical
0: book, the uh, the, the <laughs> history on super. I love it, I love it. We're setting our sights high on this podcast. Uh,
1: let's see. New Rachel uh, recommends the uh, book Voices of Krypton by Edward Gross for all things Superman. I have thought about it, uh, but uh, to be honest, I listened to some interviews he did. There was one in particular that he did with uh, Batman v Superman by the minute, mm-hmm. and that guy totally misrep like misinterpreted batman v superman and it uh reinforced my thought that some people just don't understand cinematic language uh and i think he's one of those guys because there's a sequence of bbs where it's called the day of the dead sequence where people in the news are talking about superman and sort of debating his existence and uh there's a scene where or a shot really where superman's high up in the sky and this woman who's in a flood is looking up at him and it's like painting him as this godly figure in the sky who's come to save her and the the voices of krypton guy is like that is such a bad interpretation of superman he would never do the blah 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 and i'm like but that's that's not the actual And that's not actual Superman. That's humanity's perspective of Superman. That's how we see him. That's not how he actually is. So I was like, I don't know if I can read Voices of Krypton. Because (laughs) that guy clearly cannot interpret films. Um, But uh, from what I understand about Voices of Krypton is that he interviewed a bunch of people. And it's just this big anthology. No, it's not an anthology. It's like a bunch of recordings of interviews like typed up and put together so i don't know what you would call that what kind of book that uh, is like an oral history maybe kind of yeah i think that's the the voice uh, uh voices from krypton you rachel says oh. um so i think that's kind of what it is a big oral history but i've also heard it bad mouse zack snyder in a lot of cases so oh. i may pa- i may pass <laughs> on that for one you. <laughs> i may pass on that one but um uh, but i know he was making the rounds interviewing people uh, so I, uh, the BVS, uh, by the minute guys were, uh, nice enough to not to call him out on, uh, saying something really stupid. I'm sorry, but that was stupid. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, that's a book you can check out if you want to. So there are some, uh, historical sources out there for you if you're interested in those kinds of things uh but if you haven't seen Superpower, the dc story uh let us know you know uh watch it and let us know what you think because uh i guess it's definitely something to talk about Alright, well I think that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio, so now we need to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DCTV Podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail you can call us at 678- 718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, radio public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page which you can find at dccomics.com/dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired dctv podcast also has a t public store so if you're in need of new dctv related t-shirts tank tops sweatshirts onesies mugs notebooks pillows or stickers go to supergirlradio.com and click on the t public store link at the top of the page.
0: Now see here, Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you want to listen to other shows, we've got The Flash Podcast,
1: Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, The Lituation Room, DC on HBO Max Podcast, girl Podcast, Superman and Lois Radio, Green Lantern Podcast, The
0: Sandman Podcast, DC TV After Dark, and Justice League Dark Podcast.
1: And I think I put it in the wrong uh, oh. order. I was supposed to so, be like,
0: "Oh, wait a minute! Let's get, uh, let's get the order right in the talk. Oh my gosh! I was like, "Everything's crazy." <laughs> uh, we have some comic book designs in the DC TV podcast tea public store that we would love to suggest.
1: Yeah, we have uh, some things about the Comics Code Authority, which I think, which they mentioned. Yeah, they, they mentioned mention that a little bit, uh, which they sort of. Uh, Acted like it was, uh, well, I guess at one point they were like, yeah, some of this maybe was a thing. Like some, some of it with Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah, maybe they uh, were right about that. Um, but uh, so we do have some things in the DC TV uh, podcast, Tea Public Store, about comics. Uh, and if you want to check that out, uh, head over to, you can uh, find the link to it uh, in the, uh, you can go to SupergirlRadio.com and click on T Public at the top of the page if you are interested in that. And we would like to thank our Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael and Marie, Yvonne Quinn, Nicola, Abby, Miriam, Nicole, Brian, Ethan, Danny Majuba, and Linganberry. If you'd like to become a Legion of Super sponsor, you can go to patreon.com slash Radio. We have uh, some monthly membership levels or tiers there, so we appreciate you uh, supporting the podcast. If you would like to catch up with me, you can do that a couple ways. I'm on Instagram at The Derby Kid. I'm also on a social media platform uh, known as Vero. Uh, you can find me at Derby Kid over there. That's kind of where I share where I, what I'm watching, uh, what I'm listening to, if I'm reading something, which is very rare. Uh, but I think I posted recently that I had just watched The Bishop's Wife, starring Cary Grant, which I had never seen. And I love Cary Grant so much. So I needed to make Ooh. sure that I watched it. And uh, I thought it was a little weird that the uh, angel in that story was like hitting on the bishop's wife. Uh, okay. So I, I felt like uh, Cary Grant maybe went a little too far there. <laughs> if I was very uncomfortable Twist. about that story, uh, but all ended up well, I guess in the end, but it was a, it was a good film and actually a very interesting uh, uh like effects wise i thought they did Ooh. some pretty cool things uh for early in that time uh you can also uh subscribe to my personal youtube channel at youtube.com slash duck milk prod haven't been active there lately for a while but i'm working on some things maybe in november when i have some more free time i'll get some new content up there <laughs> but uh but that's where you can find me as well
0: and you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a co host on the Legendary Ladies podcast, where we had a special guest star, Phil, on for the last episode to talk about uh, Bride of Chucky. We are in spooky season right now, <laughs> it is the spooky session time. Uh, our next episode dropping will be uh, me, Kat, and Phil. Uh, uh, breaking down our top five horror movies you might ask yourself why wasn't amy on this one first uh she is in a sold out show i believe at a uh, in uh, of sleepy hollow nice um so she is katrina in that show so she's uh deep into rehearsals and things like that and doing the shows but also i think she's only seen five horror movies so her, t- <laughs> her top five would have been kind of pre-decided <laughs> She i understand only, that she's like i think i've only seen five so i was like okay maybe not the right not the right episode for you but <laughs> me, me kat and uh, and phil had a had a fun time geeking out about weird horror stuff what's
1: your top one uh, um one.
0: spoiler alert it was actually the ring because that yes. movie traumatized me in high school for for real <laughs> I, I I tell the story I think on the podcast, but it, this was back before you like reserved seats at the movie theater. Yeah, uh-huh. Gen Z, imagine it! Uh, <laughs> you just go in and you hope to find a good spot, and Will so right up in front of the screen, we were the first row no! the, to see the <laughs> ring. When that little girl climbed out of that well, it was like she was climbing right into the theater. <laughs> <laughs> it was not something I'd recommend seeing that close. <laughs> I went to go see
1: the ring one night and uh, I went with a friend of mine and then we left. And then we, I, we, I, I must've gone back to, to my apartment maybe. I don't know, but somebody called the phone and like in the movie, the premise of the ring is like, if you watch the VHS and then later somebody call calls you. And then they tell you how many days you have to live. Yes. And so like, like having just seen that movie and then getting a call it like freaked me out i was like can i just i I need to watch like something funny i'm just (laughs) i'm just gonna put on like a tv show or a funny movie or something because it really did i slept with the lights on for a couple of days to watch (laughs) it was it was tough to watch
0: uh, that is a skit is a scary movie. Uh, and for the rest of our top 5 lists, you'll just have to listen to the legendary Ladies <laughs> podcast. But, I'm curious. No, really fun.
1: <laughs> I'm curious what 2 through 5 is.
0: I uh, th- there was a, a there was some overlap on all of our lists, which I thought was pretty fun. What's your favorite scream movie? Do you have a favorite one? Oh, so I will say that Scream was on, was the one uh the one movie that was on all of our lists. That's uh, but the original.
1: Yeah, that's really the only horror series that I really like.
0: So good. Because it's very meta.
1: And it's about filmmaking, essentially.
0: It it really is, yeah. Especially, like, especially the, I mean, all of them, kind of. But, like, the first one I do feel like was, like, this is what a horror movie is. And these are what slashers are. And this is what you can expect. You have the character who's, like, if this was a movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think uh, the original Scream trilogy would be, like, I don't. I haven't watched a lot of scary movies outside of that. Watched Interview
0: with the Vampire when I was in high school. Oh yeah, but I, I didn't remember I, that one. Is that a horror movie? I don't know. I mean, I guess technically it's, it's got vampires. A, it's got vampires, so it's in the genre. But I don't think it's a very scary movie. Does it
1: have to be like a slasher movie?
0: No. No, okay. I don't think it. No, uh, ours sort of went over. I mean, I think cats had a, a a few more slashers on it. Mine had. I I kind of liked the super like a little bit more of the supernatural horror. Mm, yeah, so I had like a little bit more ghosts and spooks on mine. <laughs>
1: I, I can't do uh, uh, some of those things. Uh, exorcism movies, definitely no. I'm not doing that.
0: Oh my god, we watched. Uh, speaking of, Mike and I watched the Pope's Exorcist last night. Oh, which, is that the new, the no, new one? The with, new one okay. with Russell Crowe. It was actually pretty good. But if like that kind of stuff freaks you out, probably not <laughs> best to stay. Away. It was pretty. There were some moments where I was like, oh, this is freaky.
1: I, I've been listening to a podcast called The Exorcist Files. Ooh, and they do that a sounds re- scary <laughs> it's it's a priest who actually talks about his exorcism uh like his examples of his exorcism I don't know what uh like him going out and doing exorcisms is oh what wow I'm trying to say. and they do it so well with like the audio oh god <laughs> that it is just audio it's an audio podcast yeah when like demons are saying stuff
0: it they is do like terrifying the, like the, the sound design and stuff I couldn't, like that
1: i couldn't sleep for a week <laughs> i was like i have because i binged it and i i, I just oh. can't i can't do some of that stuff did it's... you did you,
0: have you ever seen the exorcist no but that's oh, based on a God. true story yes. that movie is freaky Uh, yeah, I believe it is. Yeah. I saw, I, I went to Catholic school, so obviously it was even scarier for me. (laughs) And then, uh, I was in like middle school and we were all like around the TV at like a sleepover or something, watching the exorcist. I don't think any of us slept that night. We were like, (laughs) we were like, anything would happen. We were like, scream. (laughs) <laughs> not uh not the age that you should be watching that movie uh unless you have like very hardcore nerves <laughs> yeah i
1: i'm not i I'm the, not.
0: <laughs> the older i get the more i can't watch
1: scary movies
0: that's fair it's like you know what life's scary enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I used to be way about it when i was in high school but i can't do it anymore uh but i would agree with you that the ring is the most terrifying movie i've ever seen
0: I'm I'm glad that CM CM Gutierrez in the chat also said uh the ring was terrifying I couldn't sleep for a week no joke. Yeah, I slept I literally in like when I saw it the first time I slept with the light on. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get Mike to watch it one of these spooky seasons and he's like I I don't think I'm I don't think I'm I don't think I want that. <laughs>
1: I don't think I've seen the ring since it came out. Like, I, I can't bring myself to watch it again.
0: I've definitely seen it. You know which one I really want to rewatch to see if I have a different perspective on it is the Blair Witch project? <gasps> I love the Blair Witch. Because I feel it. like I feel I feel like when I first watched it, I was like, this is kind of boring, but now I feel like I would like it. I don't know. I've told you about the Blair Thumb. We've talked about that, right? Yes.
1: Yes. I need you to, maybe for a Spooky Season. Maybe I, I'll you do like a watch. <laughs> you should watch the Blair Thumb. Watch it after you, like wear the, watch the Blair Witch. And uh-huh. then watch the, the Blair Thumb.
0: I feel like this is like a, a fun spooky season double feature. <laughs> I love the
1: Blair Thumbs so
0: much. I'll report back if I, <laughs> yeah. if I do. We, we can make people page, We can make that a Patreon. Yes, exclusive. the players about my experiences yes. with both
1: movies. <laughs> okay, well, I guess this has been a total off topic. Oh of yeah, discussion. we've
0: detoured very far away.
1: <laughs> but that's gonna do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson.
0: And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, creativity requires courage. McGurk. I do love not typing. this with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem <laughs> snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena <laughs> Luthor boardroom or ballroom. Because <laughs> really? She looks like a boss in this coat.